You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hey everyone, we're back. Another episode of Delirious Nomads, a podcast brought to you by Blacklight Media Records and Metal Blade Records, along with my host, Matt Bacon, and I. We are thrilled to have Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold with us today. My good friend, Johnny. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's a beautiful Saturday. How you been? I haven't, we haven't talked in way too long. I know. It's been crazy. Well, you've got the real podcast, the Drinks with Johnny thing, which we'll get into. <laughs> this is something we launched during like, the pandemic, I guess, um, you know, primarily as a tool to spread the gospel of, of, the, of the Blacklight Media imprint that I own uh, with Metal Blade. But we're now up around 60 or so episodes, I think. And, oh, fuck uh, yeah. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Some, yeah. We've had some really great guests, some really great conversations, some silly conversations. But um. But yeah, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. I want to hear what's going on. Well, here, let, let me explain a couple of things. I usually don't give Matt a lot of a lot of room to talk, just because I like to talk a lot. But Matt is a huge I didn't know fan that about you. <laughs> Matt is a huge, huge fan of yours, so I'm going to try my best to give him lots of breathing room. But we really just wanted to catch up with you. You know, now that the pandemic is you know pseudo over, obviously I know you you were doing the the, the drinks with Johnny, and I know that Avenge has been working on some music. But we want to just kind of hear to whatever degree you're comfortable sharing. You know what's going on, what's next. I got some specific questions. He's got some some uh, specific questions, but I guess. Just start us off by saying, you know, like, where, where are you guys at now? Where are you at now? Oh, man, where I'm at right now. Shit. Uh, well, as far as the band goes, we're really excited about finishing up this record that's taking us way too long to do. Um, but we're finishing it up here. We got some uh, some of the end tracking that we have left to do, some guitars and vocals that we have left coming up uh, in the next couple months. And then we'll uh, be mixing here pretty soon towards the end of this year. Um, and then, uh, we're going to be doing some stuff for the band and new music next year. It looks like, uh, but what we're really excited about right now is we're going to be in New York here next month, uh, June 21st and 2nd, uh, for our NFTs death bat club. Uh, we're really excited about that. We're going to, it's going to be our first event, uh, with the death bat club. Uh, so we're really excited about that. We're gearing up to do that. 
Um, and then from there on out, we got like we've been dropping a lot of these uh, utilities and 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 stuff behind the death bats, which is great because a lot of people were like, "Oh, when are these these things going to start paying off or whatever?" And what's going to be behind these uh, different bats? And we're starting to see now that we we actually do have these utilities behind them and uh, you know front of the line stuff and all this other cool shit that's uh, that's going to be coming out with it. Uh, and then as far as uh, drinks with Johnny. Uh, as you mentioned, we just uh, got our first top 25 for a week um, in the music category this week. So that was cool. Awesome. Congrats. Thanks, man. Now, you've been on the show. We did that. Uh, we did the simulcast uh, live, live streams uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic. Thank you again. Yeah, of course, man. It was That was a lot of fun. Yeah. For those of you who, who aren't aware, during the height of the pandemic, um, you know, my company employs about 5,000 people and we were trying to raise funds for our own people to help pay for medical costs, f- funerals, uh, when, you know, COVID was taking lives. And Johnny was kind enough to let me use uh, Drinks with Johnny as a platform to uh, raise money. And we raised quite a bit of money. And so thank you very much once again. Forever in your debt. Oh, no. Forever in everybody's debt who was uh, who was a part of it, man. I mean, it was all the it was, it was all to the people. I mean, all we did was uh, go live and have some drinks together. They, they were It was up to them to bid on the shit that we put up there, right? <laughs> <laughs> right but it, w- it was cool man it was that was a cool uh, it was the first time i uh, attempted to undertake anything like that for the show i think it went really well i'm glad it was helpful for for you and your company and thank you and everyone involved yeah but since then you know I, I haven't done too many live things actually so it's been mostly just recording for the podcast and getting them out once a week and doing some follow-up uh stuff on thursdays we've been doing now on the podcast side like we still release the video for on YouTube at the beginning of the week. Then Thursdays I'll do a follow-up phone call or something like that with the guest. Cause you know, a lot of these times we will record like two two weeks plus before the episode releases. And then right. I'll just get that a call. Like yeah. a lot of times they the guys uh, some of my guests will have a new album coming out or or a new event to promote two weeks later. So I'll give them a call and we'll talk about it. Like comedians like Dean Del Rey was about to when we recorded together. He didn't know yet, but then he was going to be doing the special with Bill Burr uh, later in the month. So then we we were able to call him back up, and it's kind of fun. I found a way to like actually use the phone calls to give to to go to back to some of these guests. So it sounds like an on air radio phone call, and I'm like calling them back. I'm still recording <laughs> it, but I release it like the next morning. So that's been fun. Just finding new ways to be creative with the show too. I mean. We got some really great guests coming up, um, and uh, we've had some really great ones this season already. We're we're hitting a few milestones finally in uh, season four that I'm really excited about. Very nice, very nice. And so, um, before I let Matt dig in, because I know he's got a lot of questions, um, you mentioned you're going to be in New York for that event. But are you? Are, is the band performing live at any, at any point this year, or is that going to be next? Year? It looks like it's going to be next year. Okay. So, I mean, uh, uh, never say never, obviously. We're still figuring stuff out, uh, but I, I, I don't see us doing anything this year. When we do the uh, Death Bats Club thing, it's going to be, it's more about the interaction with, uh, with, the, with the Death Bat NFT holders and uh, giving them back something for being a part of this. I mean, they're already getting back, I, th- I think, by being a part of the club. But, uh, you know, uh, adding to that, adding those utilities, showing showing the world really what that what those death bat club nfts really are um there's a lot of backlash and stuff that we've heard and people who just don't understand what we're uh what we're trying to champion here it's a little frustrating sometimes because it's you know people who don't get it just think that we're scamming everyone or some shit like that and it's like I, i don't i don't know what everyone thinks but uh 
we've been doing this for like 20 plus years. And I think money is really the, 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 the optimal word here, the optimal thing that we're going for. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then the last thing I guess, and then I really will let Matt talk is, you know, I, I know a lot of, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the band, obviously. Um, I didn't actually learn until recently though. I didn't re- realize that you actually joined the band when you were still in high school. Yeah. Yeah. How early an age did you pick up a, a bass? Because, you know, to be that proficient, to be able to, you know, jump out of high school and jump on tour with a band like Event Sevenfold, like how early did you start playing and, and you know, and why metal, you know? Oh, man, I started I started playing uh, when I was 12 years old as I got my first bass. I was playing the, the Casio keyboard in the corner of my house before that and uh, very poorly. And uh, <laughs> my, my father's a uh, nylon acoustic guitar, also very poorly. Um, and then uh, I, I gravitated towards the bass. Uh, one of my buddies, we were in fifth grade. I uh, wanted to start a band. His dad had a drum kit. And uh, I don't know why. I just gravitated towards the bass, really, just from listening to guys like Cliff Burton, Matt Freeman, Def McKagan, Les Claypool. And uh, that's kind of where my heart was with when I heard those guys playing. So I went down to the pawn shop with my mom for my birthday that year, picked up a Epiphone uh, P bass and went and uh, went for it and started that band with just drums and bass in my buddy's uh, bedroom. And then, uh, you know, years later, I mean, when I dropped out of high school to join Avenged Sevenfold, they were still on their first record, uh, Sending the Seventh Trumpet, that they had put together in 1999. This was 2002. They were starting to make a name for themselves locally, but, I mean, we were still, when I joined the band and did my first tour with them, there was a couple of shows where there was 15 people there. I mean, it wasn't like they were off to the races either. So it was... Uh, 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 they were they were more they were ahead of more ahead of where I was at with my garage band and stuff, but it wasn't like it was like what it is now, and I just joined in. So to that point, I wasn't I, I didn't have the chops really yet. I had to develop them just like the rest of. I mean, we all got better as we went along from two thousand two on. Uh, I hopped in the band. Uh, I think it was near the end of two thousand two. I had just turned eighteen years old, and they had a co-headlining tour with a trio scheduled and their and their current bass player at the time had to go to some wedding for whatever reason it was going to take him two wet two weeks to go to a wedding i don't understand that but he already had i mean he was already on uh <laughs> he was already on the chopping block anyway as i understand it so uh i stepped in just to fill in for those two weeks i i in my mind i was just going to use it as an educational thing for me because i wanted to be a musician and tour in my own band um and i wanted to see what it was really like but by the end of it, we all clicked and got along so well. I mean, I knew a lot of the guys from right here in Huntington Beach, friends with my older brother. I used to bug them when they were in the garage practicing and rehearsing. So we all knew each other and were friends before I joined. And then, uh, yeah, after that, did that two-week tour. It was the last uh, two-week tour of the Seventh Seventh Trumpet cycle. And then that, that next year, we started writing Wake in the Fallen, and the rest is history. You know, I figured out the other day also that uh, we met before. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but in 2005 or 2006, you all came to my restaurant, Stanton Social, and had dinner. And we went upstairs afterwards and we we partied hard, <laughs> if I remember. Uh, I barely remember it because I think I was partying before that, uh, before we even got to that dinner. Our, uh, we went we went with, uh, I think it was Peter Lubin, who was doing our, uh, who was yeah. starting to sign us for uh, our merch at the time. This is City of Evil. This was our... First time staying out in New York in Manhattan for a couple of weeks while we were mixing the record with Andy Wallace. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we got in touch with we we gotten put together with him through Warner Brothers. This was our first record that was going to be a Warner Brothers release. You know, this is before that record became the platinum record that it is. So we were just still the kids that that were driving in a van doing Waking the Fallen stuff, and then coming out and experiencing Manhattan, and you know, on Warner Brothers dime, staying in a hotel and is partying for a couple of weeks because our part was done. A lot of people, once you're in the mixing process, the band's part is done. Right. Like, I mean, we're listening and, and making our notes and stuff, but I don't have to play anymore. I just have to go in there and listen and say, oh, this part needs to be louder. This part needs to be cl- more cleared up and things of that nature. So it's, for us, it's kind of like end of the end of the writing, end of the recording kind of party. Yeah. And uh, one of the nights, Peter Lubin took us up to, to your restaurant uh, and we were just having dinner and I think it was one of the waiters that came up and it was like, Oh, our, uh, our chef wants to meet you and hang out. And we're like, uh, he's, he knows, he knows who you guys are and loves the band and stuff. And I was like, all of us were like, right on. And then, uh, yeah. after dinner, you know, I think, I think you get, I think you sent out a few, uh, extra dishes to the table. And then after that, we went upstairs to whatever, like your, your, your VIP area, the lounge, the lounge. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I remember going up the stairs. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember coming down. <laughs> yeah, a couple of people had to be uh, needed some help exiting. Me being one of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we should have known we'd be uh, we'd be good friends for a while after that, right? I know, right? <laughs> All right, Matt. I know you're dying, dying to get in here. So now's your chance, my friend. He's a huge fan, Johnny, and he's he's, he's like kind of fanboying out about you today. <laughs> but I want to get into the NFT stuff because that was let's go. The way you're doing it is really interesting, and I think so. Like you kind of know that there's like a lot of negative energy in the metal community, in particular against NFTs, especially with like the Aussie crypto best thing failing, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Right? How do you think what you're doing is different? I've kind of dug into it a little bit, but how would you break it down to people? Well, I mean, it's vastly different. In so many ways, it's different, right? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't pretend to know exactly the inner workings of how that Aussie thing went down. Um, I could I could gather some guesses, um, but I don't think it was really well thought out. I mean, uh, Matt, who has been ahead of this for us and kind of uh, bringing us all into the fold of NFTs since, uh, for a couple years now, I don't think anyone realizes that like we're not just coming into this NFT world, you know, a couple months ago and just launching something out of nowhere. Um, uh, Matt and Brian mostly have been in this NFT game for a while, learning the inner workings of it, talking to some of the bigger, bigger players in it and the bigger companies. One of the things we realized early on is that this is more a community building thing. This is not a cash grab. It's not for it's not. People who think that don't understand what NFTs are. So really what it's what it's doing is giving a fan base, a, a club, a, an ultimate fan club, the ownership in your art. They don't understand. Like a lot of people, it's hard for them to under, understand. When you own, own a piece of, when you grab one of these uh, death bats, a lot of them will have a, a utility behind them such as, Things uh, like VIP club stuff, basically like fan club stuff that you would get from a fan club that in the past you'd have to pay for and things of that nature. Yes, you've had to pay for to buy that NFT. But the cool thing about NFTs and being on the blockchain and everything uh, that's involved with that, 
is if you eventually get over it, you can sell it, and it's gonna. And as these utilities uh, come behind the, the the bats and everything like that, they're only gonna get uh, higher demand. When people mm-hmm. are when people are going to concerts and seeing that there's a specific NFT merch booth, a specific NFT line to get in, and they're gonna want to be a part of that. When they see all these utilities, like there's things where they're gonna get to hang out one on one with each band member. People are gonna want to be a part of that. They don't. The problem with some of the other people that were getting into the NFT game and just throwing it out there is I don't think they understood it. They just saw they saw dollar signs. And just yeah. were like, oh, okay, that that's what it is. We're just throwing out art. Ours isn't like that. We're not just throwing out art. And uh, I mean, art is definitely a great part of it. It's another outlet, just like an album cover. Who watch you? No one gets album covers anymore. You just don't. So where can you where can you get some kind of art like that? I mean, where can you get a one of a kind piece of art that's curated by the band? And that's the other thing. It has to be curated by the band. We've curated everything that we've done. I'm not going to, I don't know for certain, but I'd, I'd venture that a few of the people out there that we've seen kind of uh, almost ruin the community that is around NFTs haven't been very hands-on on it. They've hired out different companies that are taking cash grabs from them. It's the way it looks yep. from the outside. And unfortunately, what's what we've been trying to get away from with these, uh, with these companies and with the other people and try to educate people on what we're really trying to do. We are trying to give the ultimate fan experience the ultimate fan uh club is really what it is you have to look at our club at, uh, our nfts death bats as a fan club if you're not a fan of this band don't buy one of the nfts just don't it's, it's not you're not going to care it's not a flip it's not a flipping kind of uh process sure uh for the fan if you want to pass it down to your brother or sister, when you're when you get a little older and you don't care as much, you might still love the band. But we've all gone through that, right? You get a little bit older, you're not as fanatical. You might still love the music, but you're not as fanatical. But you might be able to pass it down to somebody or sell it on OpenSea. So there is some value in having your uh, your fan club or being a part of this fan club. But you're not going to really love that value because it is a fan club. This is a new age fan club yeah. taking us into Web three, where Web three. Everything is going gonna, is gonna to be on the blockchain where everything gets, happens so quickly. For Every transaction is going to happen immediately for everybody. And it's not just in this world. NFTs, everyone has to understand, is just the beginning of what Web3 and the blockchain can do for every artist, every, every creator, every transaction that happens in the world, for fuck's sake. And yeah. we're just trying, we're, we're being, we're being, we're very mindful of it. We want to be a part of it. We're very excited about it because it takes out so many middlemen. Another thing they don't, that a lot of people might not understand is the business side. They have no idea how long it takes for us to go do a tour and then get all the money from it at the end of the tour. You're playing a show that has a guarantee on it. And then there's talks of it, everything like that. By the end of it, it's months of me being at home before I see a paycheck from, you know, six months ago that I did a bunch of work. And that's, oh, woe is me, woe is me, I've got a great life. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying that's the reality of it. And with, with the blockchain, with Web3, with the, the admin of NFTs and their uh, IP addresses, it takes out all that. Everything could be so much, so, so more seamless, and not everyone has a chance to put their little grubby little hands in it along the way. And that's great for the artists. It's great for everybody involved. You're actually, the consumer has a way to go straight to the artist. And that's what we've all been we've all been trying to do. Web two's been trying to do it, but there's all the 
there's all the social media stuff that, that takes a piece of it, you know, like you, you go on Instagram as a, as an artist and you're trying to reach your fans on a, you know, on a, a more seamless basis and it's better than com. Don't get me wrong, but it's still not there. You know, you're still, you know, you still have to pay to reach all your fan base who are already following you. I mean, what the fuck is that shit? Like that's, right. they're still yeah. making money off of you along the way just to communicate with your fans. And I, I, that stuff is going to be a thing of the past in short order. Yes, it's going to take some time, but in the meantime, what can we do with it right now? Well, we could create the ultimate fan club for our fans and for our fans that understand it. I mean, we've got 34,000 and counting in our Discord right now, and they're all just this great community of, of, of fans that are helping each other understand what this NFT world is. Um, there are the really cool aspects of it, of just curating art and people are learning how to create. I mean, I don't know why everyone thinks it's such a big scam. You have art on a fucking wall for years and it's been, and certain people who know what they're doing have made millions and millions of dollars on certain pieces of art. And because it's cool, because whatever that commodity is for different reasons, for various different reasons, I'm not going to pretend I know that I'm not an art curator, but there is a way it's, it's, it's an understanding of that. There's there's reasons why certain things are more rare and worth more money. Just like, I mean, fuck, let's, let, let's use the analogy of baseball cards. What is that? It's a piece of goddamn cardboard. How is that any? How is that worth any more money than an actual, it's worth less than an actual digital piece that is owned, you own the IP address. And then, here's the, here's the other great thing about this. You can then take that into all these different worlds. Everyone is worried about this, but it, here's the thing. The kids these days in their video games, we talked briefly before we hit record here, Matt, that you found us that we were one of the first bands to be in video games and, and, yeah. and, and really embrace that. Well, when you go into a video game these days and you buy a skin, you buy, you buy an avatar, you buy these things and dress your avatar, it only works for that one game, right? What if you can like, take that to another game? You now own this. When you buy it, it's not just in that one world. You own it and you can take it to all these different places and utilize it however you want. This is, this is uh, parts of what you can do with NFTs. It's, 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 it's a digital world. And I feel like a lot of people are fighting it because they also don't understand, well, Oh, it's just a digital world. Why is it worth anything? Guess what, motherfuckers? It's all going digital. Just look around you. You're, you're if you if you're gonna fight it, you're gonna end up just like you're gonna be end up on the wayside again. This is a this is an opportunity, and we're trying to educate people on that to be ahead of it. And uh, in the process, we're gonna give you really cool things because you know we want we want a great fan club, and. in in that, like, we don't want anyone to be left in the wayside. We want to bring everyone along, and it does suck to the point of that backlash comes when everybody, when there's somebody else that comes out and attempts to do their NFTs and they miss the mark because then everyone gets a bad taste in their mouth. And then they think it's all, that's how every NFT launch is going to be. And it's just, it's simply not the case. Some of them are going to be worth more than others. Some of them are going to be done better than others, just like everything else that's ever been put out there in the world for any consumer. You got to find. You got to learn a little bit about what you're about what you're buying, uh, the company behind it, what it means, what the rarities are going to be. It's it's just like a collectible of any kind, any piece of art. Like if you if you want to learn about it, and you don't have to obviously, but if you want to learn about this space, it's not a scam. It's not anything. It's it's just a, it's a new age of of consumption and and art curating and owning a piece of something that you really love. And if you really love something and the, and that artist or company 
is putting in the time and effort to make it what you believe in, then you're not going to, there's nothing to be scared of. There's nothing, there's no scam involved. You're, you're getting what you pay for. Absolutely. That's very, very well put. Um, and I've been stealing a bunch of the stuff I've seen you guys doing for other NFT projects I'm involved in. <laughs> what um, other NFT projects are you involved in? Uh, no problem. <laughs> uh, but like stuff with like stuff with like bands. I can okay. say that. But like I, I don't think I'm allowed to say which band. Right, right, right. One of the interesting things. Well, there's a couple interesting things I want to touch on here. The first is, and I and I guess what I'm really curious about is, you know, you talked about all these activations that are going to be part of the NFT situation. Which one are you the most excited about? Well, me personally, I don't know if it's been announced which ones I'm doing yet, though. I don't. I, I don't. There's a lot of one v ones in our Death Bats Club yeah. that are going that uh, are going to have specific things to each band member, and I don't know which ones have been announced. So I don't want to. I I'm not. Sure. I I don't want to say which one uh, which one I'm most excited about. But I would say I'm, I'm excited about the one v ones that I've created. I've created. Uh, there's six death bats and uh, coins for uh, uh, redemption that are that are heavily involved in what I thought I could bring to the table um, that would that would stoke out the fans in this fan club. And I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to meet the people who got those ones and I want to redeem them over the next three years. Because that's the other thing. Uh, our redemptions on on those uh, qualities and utilities on these NFTs are uh, they're they're three years. You do them once a year for three years, so you know it's yeah. it's pretty cool on these one v ones. So I mean, maybe they'll use it one year and then give it to a friend the next year. Uh, you know, sell it to a friend rather. It's really cool because it's they're it's it's their community. We're we're just curate. We're just putting it together for them, and they they can yeah. figure out whatever they want to do with these bats. And that's where they where they discuss it all is right there in our in our event sevenfold Discord, and uh, it's very very tied in with that. They've, I mean, our Discord over there has such a great community already. I mean, they've put together our uh, tracks podcast where we go back and talk about different uh, uh, songs, in um, in our history and what 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 we were thinking at the time, and really uh, dive into each aspect of those songs. And that was something that they came up with like guys right there in the discord and they funded it right there through the, through the discord. And there's, it's fun, cool things like that, that web three and these uh, uh, NFT communities are going to be able to do as fan bases. Uh, they're going to be able to create their own community, their own wants and show us what, what they would like to see from us, ask us to do certain things for them. And, uh, and we could either say yes or no, obviously, but, uh, some of the, they do great things. I mean, they did a talent show over there in the discord that was fucking unbelievable. We had some really talented people do a part of this talent show and it was all them. Like there's a lot of stuff that we hop in and we'll check out and talk to the, talk to our community, but they're running it. I mean, I only go in there once, once a week, twice a week and just say, Hey, and uh, see what they're all up to, and they're just running wild with it. It's really a, it's a death bat community. That's like the coolest thing about it to me. Nice, absolutely. You know, and this is a logical extension. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah, and that's and back to your initial question of what I'm excited most about is that's that's just about it. Like I I'm excited about this death bat club party and and uh, uh, NFT NYC that's coming up. It's a part of that whole week. Um, so not only are our our death bat uh, club holders going to be able to come and see us and hang out with us at a club 
then they could go go around probably and check out what some of the other companies are doing with their NFTs and stuff. Like if they could if they could uh, uh, pay for the tickets to some of those other places, um, and just see what the what the community really is. And this is, I think, like Absolutely. the third the third year that they're doing this now, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, and every year there's more and more people getting behind this and understand it and trying to understand what this uh, what these non fungible tokens are really going to be about in the in the near future. Awesome. I wanted to ask about the new record, you know, specifically in multiple interviews, different guys in the band have talked about sort of the new set of influences you're drawing from, right? Much more from like, uh, you know, talking about both hip hop and then even earlier black music like soul and funk and stuff and and jazz. And I guess that kind of caught me by surprise because um, Sinister Gates in particular has always been like very not shy about his jazz playing. So is that augmented on the new record or can you talk about the influences that kind of fueled this thing? You know, I think we've had our influences. The new influences are just from new artists or, or new albums mm -hmm. per se. But I, I mean, I mean, you just kind of covered it right there. We've always talked about those being our influences. It's just now that everyone's like, because I think it's because it's been so long since we put out a new record that everyone's actually putting it under a magnifying glass. But we've always right. cited these uh, these influences in every single one of our records before. So I found it as a shock when people were like, there was backlash to uh, Shadows or, or Sin talking about their specific influences in the hip-hop, R&B, jazz, soul vain because I've known them to have those influences since day one. I know it's not, it's not anything new to me. I mean, sure. The, the, the big name that everyone likes to focus on is when shadow says there's a lot of Kanye influence on it and, you know, say what you want about Kanye, but the music and the production uh, behind it all is very genius. Uh, like the, the way that those, that the music is layered is very musical uh, the chords that are used are unorthodox. There's, and that's what we mean. I think that's more or less what we mean by it. And, and to be honest, we just, we don't listen to a lot of, a lot of heavy music in our lives that much anymore. Um, I mean, sure. There's times for it. I mean, <laughs> Sinister is just now going back and going into the Metallica catalog deeper than he ever has as well. So it's not like it's all this hip hop and all this stuff. It's just, mm -hmm. we hear, we're uh, dudes that are getting into our early forties. Been doing this for a long time, and we're looking for, and yeah, we sure. listen to we listen to a lot of different music. We always have. That's the the funniest thing to me about this. Uh, when when people, uh, I mean, uh, on on social media, read these in interviews and listen to these interviews and go, oh no, it's going to sound like this. And you have no idea what it's going to sound like. <laughs> yeah. Just because we named a couple of our influences doesn't mean anything. Go back to our influences on the self-titled record. They're pretty similar yeah. to what we're saying right now. So, I mean, I don't but, know why yeah, everyone gets and, scared. So, when, when, when was the last record dropped? 2000. Shit, was it 15, 16, 17, 16? Uh, so, so, so it'll be six Matt, or seven Matt, years. you tell me. <laughs> I believe it was 2017. It was, 2017, it was the, the stage. One, right? Yeah, the surprise drop of the stage. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I thought it was 17, but I wasn't positive. And then I didn't. It didn't sound right because we got off the road in 2018. But yeah, I guess that was a a quick uh, 18 month cycle. The point of the question is, um, you said it yourself a second ago that there's a magnifying glass on this record. Do you guys feel actual pressure from that, or do you just find it amusing? No, I personally find it amusing. Our fans are the fucking best and they're super 
super excited naturally, and we're excited about the record too. And it's kind of awesome to see them argue and discuss uh, something that they haven't heard a, a single note of. And it's it's just it's it's hilarious to me, and it's really cute. I mean, it's it's the best word I can describe it. It's cute because I was like, oh, you guys care. Like, that's awesome. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just we're going to we're going to make the record that we're going to make. That's what we do every time. We're going to do the the way that we want to do it. Uh, we promise that we're putting all of our thoughts, all of our soul, everything that we have into it. And uh, it, it it's going to be what it is. And we're very proud of it. It's going to be. It's different as it always is because we're not a band that's going to put out the same record, but just, we just won't. It's just, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't excite us. And I'm, it's no knock on other bands or other artists that, uh, find their, their, their niche and they want to just stay there. But for us since day one, I mean, since before we were even making, uh, the music that we are now, like when we were in garages and stuff, we just, it's just never been the way that we write. Like we just want to write the way that we are and the way that we're feeling in the moment and our use our influences. And we look back at some of our records and go, well, I love this. I don't like this. And we wish we could have done something better here. And, you know, just out of all the critics out there, I guarantee you, we are the worst critics of ourselves. The, what we say to each other about our, about our music is way worse than you'll ever read in a critics magazine. I guarantee you that. That's very much a chef's mentality. I can understand that. <laughs> because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of bands have decided to not drop a new album until they can definitely tour behind it and all that stuff. And it sounds like that's a little bit of your strategy. But but a lot of those bands as well have dropped a single here or there just to kind of, you know, keep the, keep themselves out there. Not that you, you guys are on a level where you don't need to do that. But did you ever consider doing that? And if so, why did you not have, have not dropped a single? No, because uh, we don't have a single to drop. The record's not done. No. <laughs> I mean, That's and, and yeah, and I, I if, if, just to clarify real quickly, Chris, on that, we're not holding our, we're not dragging our feet because we want to make sure we could tour on it or anything like that. We're, in fact, we're not dragging our feet at all. There, there are circumstances that have happened within and and around the band that have uh, have put delays on this record, and that's just the reality of it. We go into those at a later date because. Um, if we go into them now, it'll just sound like a bunch of fucking nonsense to people. But later on, they'll understand what we were talking about. the The reality is, there's there's certain delays, and to be honest, there's also the fact that we're we're human beings outside of this that have families, young families that went through the pandemic just like everybody else. It had nothing to do with the touring aspect of it or anything. It was really just we're at home writing a record, finishing it up. Uh, the process is taking a little bit longer than usual. And that's the reality of it. And when the record's ready, and we're and when we're ready, we're gonna let we're gonna release it and play some shows for everyone. And we're really excited to do so. But we've never been the kind of band and uh, that would compromise our art, our our excitement, any anything that involves this band. We would never never compromise it by not being ready. So we ha it has nothing to do with the outside world, outside influences, outside pressures, any of that. That's just that's not the way we operate. We we could give two fucks about any of that. Like we're just gonna when our record's ready, you'll know it. When we're ready to get on the road, you'll know it. I mean that's that's kind of where we stand at this point. Nice, very nice. I I guess what kind of strikes me going because on top of this you have an orchestra on the record. 
right? I mean, we have strings and stuff, yeah, on on certain parts of the songs, just like we've always had, yeah. Okay, so so because okay, then there was clearly I clearly misunderstood sort of how the press <laughs> framed it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, well that's that's just I mean you got to you got to be careful uh, how how the press likes to frame stuff, right? It's another reason why I started yeah, no. drinks with Johnny. I like I, I like. Uh, People hearing it from the horse's mouth, not just me, my guests as well. I mean, a lot of the times, like these, my guests have been uh, uh, wrong, uh, wrongfully uh, uh, misquoted or not even misquoted, just uh, taken out of context because that's the media's job or has been for the last mm-hmm. 60, 70 years is to get that headline. And then, and then in this day and age, if you see the headline, you think you know all about it as you scroll by and go, oh, that's what it is. Let me move on to the next thing without reading the whole article or listening to the whole podcast. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to control that narrative for myself and for my guests who have been through it before too. It's, it's unfortunate. I've been through it for 20 years. It's boring as shit to answer those fucking same questions over and over and over until they get the one, the one way they want you to answer it. And that's the headline. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that's the game. huh? Well, that's fucking fun. And it's not fun for them either. I know it's the editor that wants to, they're just doing their job. So everyone involved isn't having fun. I'd rather have fun. If we're going to talk about something that I love so much, like, like, like my passion, my, my art, then let's have fun with it. Let's have a fun conversation about it. Whatever that art is. If I'm talking to a comedian, I want to know what he, how he really feels about his, his standup. I'm talking to an actor. I want to know how he really feels about this movie he was just in. You know, it's, it's really, I'm not trying to get a headline out of anybody on my show. And that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're at. It's a conversation between two people that can find a, an equal ground and a mutual respect, even though we're, maybe we're not in the same industry. Yeah. And, uh, to point out the, like the orchestra stuff, they, again, you have to look at our catalog. You can't just look at this in yeah, a vacuum and say like, Oh, they, they brought in an orchestra for the first time. No. Uh, actually pretty much since our self-titled, we've had different songs that have had different orchestration parts and we've, we've always, uh, wanted to, we've always brought in live players. However, we've done it. It's when we bring in strings, we're sure there's some pads, uh, you know, there, there have been some pads that just sound better or some instruments that we've uh, demoed out that can't actually do those. So we use the digital stuff, but for the most part, we've tried every time to make sure that we have live players playing live instruments on our records. So this orchestra, like we put out a picture on our Instagram and everything to get, you know, just show the progress. Everyone's asking what's, where's the album? Where's the album? Where's the album? All right, here's the progress. And of course that was met with different, different reactions too. Oh, there's an orchestra. It's going to be like this. No, it's, it's an orchestra. It's live strings. We're excited that we're, what we're doing this again, but, Listen to our records. We've always had live strings on certain parts. If you go in, mm-hmm. especially if you go into the into the deeper tracks. No, there's yeah, there's always been like that Queen element almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, call it what you want. Like that's the yeah, Queen's a great band, a great influence for us. But I mean, call it what you want. It's just it's just the recording process. Process it has yeah. that wasn't the writing process. That was the recording process. So I just it doesn't. That's not an influence of the band or what's happening. We've always had live strings and live horns um, on pretty much every record. There's been songs that have that and songs that don't. So, you know, as a segue, um, and as we near the end here, because we try to keep these to about 45 minutes, and by the way, we're going to want to have you back when the record comes out. But um, for the people who don't know, um, 
what drinks with Johnny is all about. Like, you know, why, you know, how did you come up with that concept? I've, as, as we talked about earlier, I was, a, I was a guest multiple times and it's a really, really, really fun podcast. Um, I kind of envy it, the interview. We're very low budget compared to what you're doing, um, <laughs> but yours is, but yours is super cool. But how did you kind of develop the concept of drinks with Johnny? Why did you develop it? And um, you know, what's been some of your favorite guests or, or favorite moments from the podcast? You know, so it started out, we, uh, as a band, realized that we had uh, complete control over our YouTube channel, believe it or not. We did, we always thought it was uh, uh, something that Warner Brothers owned. Turned out it wasn't. So we decided we were going to start doing some content of our own on there. And uh, we were kicking around some ideas. We did some of these breakdown videos that people could still find on the Eventually Unfold YouTube channels where we go down through the Pro Tools sessions of these songs and show all these different parts and all the stems. It's really cool. It was fun for us because it's not often that we solo up all these tracks. Anyways, that was one of the ideas. The other one I had was I was just going to be making cocktails um, and hanging out with some friends of ours that we've toured with. Um, that are local and then see where it went. I, I always had aspirations to take it out on the road and uh, meet new people and, and do those things. But it started out, it was going to be like some quick conversations and cocktails with some friends in the industry. And uh, I quickly realized that we were recording for, you know, two hours and cutting it down to about 20 minutes to put it on these YouTube things. And uh, my director uh, was like, you know, there's these things called podcasts that are long form. I was like, what the fuck is a podcast? So uh, I, I, I ingratiated myself into learning what that was. And then I kind of realized that it was more about the conversation than the cocktails, like really quickly. And we had guests like, well, you asked like one of my favorites uh, early on, I got Jake the Snake Roberts, the WWE Hall of Famer. Oh, wow. And that was out of nowhere. I was like, my buddy was like, oh, I'll get him on. I was like, there's no way you're getting Jake the Snake. I grew up a huge fan. There's no way you're getting him on my show. We had just started. I think it was like the third or fourth episode. And lo and behold, he got him on the show. And I, here I was reliving my five-year-old fandom uh, talking to Jake the Snake Roberts, you know. And uh, that was that was really cool. I mean, I, I was shit at it then. You know, I, I like to think I've gotten better at it since then. But, uh, you know, and he doesn't drink, so there was no drinking involved. And that was like the first introduction. I was like, we just had a conversation. Maybe that's what this is all about. And, you know, I just uh, I just try to be mindful of the of where this show is taking me. I'm not I'm not directing it in a lot of respects. Like this is a show that I wanted to at a certain point, I realized I wanted to make this for the guests to be able to talk about whatever the fuck they wanted to talk about. If they don't want to talk about anything that has to do with their career, they don't have to say a damn word about what they do in their career. And some and there's different levels of success too, right? And obviously the music ones are doing better because people who follow me are fans of music for the most part. But I'm hoping the more of these other guests I could introduce my fan base to, it'll start to grow in that in that respect too because I don't want to only talk about music. Like that would be very boring to me. So I, mm -hmm. I try to, I try to uh, get guests from all different walks of life. I mean, we've got athletes, actors, fighters, comedians. I mean, you name it. anybody with a story. I mean, I, I got, I'm in a text message right now with a former blue, uh, blue angels pilot. And I think he's going to come down and uh, he's building a plane right now and he's going to take me up in it. And we're going to, we're going to have oh, a wow. chat about his, about his, uh, his naval career and his blue angels career. And now he's a FedEx pilot. I mean, just interest. I mean, he's got an interesting story, right? 
And he's a right. he's a wild dude. I mean, anyone who's flying jets that fucking close to each other's got to have a pretty fucking crazy brain, right? So I want to get to know him a little bit. Um, people of that nature, uh, reality TV stars, like what is that? I've had Instagram uh, uh, self proclaimed insta hoes who are just there taking pictures of themselves <laughs> in panties, you know. And it's like, okay, porn stars. What is that about? You know, that everything under the sun. You got to. Everyone has an interesting uh, story to tell. And I want to get to know them and get to and hear that story. Um, and so I just get to hit record on it and put it out. But I mean, it's really just me having a conversation with somebody and uh, getting to know them and uh, allowing it to go wherever it is. So in that respect, I've I've that's that's per episode. Right. But as a whole, I try to make sure that the show, the 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 life story of this show flows the same. Like, I don't want it. Like if, if it starts going in another direction, I want to be ready. I want to be able to follow it. I don't want to sit there and be stuck to, Oh, this is, this is the, the structure of the show. Like sometimes we'll play a a challenge or a game, a drinking game, or maybe not a drinking game. We'll play a, you know, a card game or something, ping pong, something. Uh, The other day we just played a, I shot some pool with a comedian, Jeremiah Watkins that episodes coming out on Monday. And, uh, just because he was, he fancied himself a pool shark, and I got a pool table in my in my bonus room, so we played a little bit of pool at the end of the episode. I mean, it was just it was just fun stuff like that. Because again, I, I I don't have enough friends, guys, Chris and Matt. I don't have enough friends in my life. I need more friends, so I'm just trying to make more friends, and I needed a podcast to do it. I mean, I think we we, we sit in that same boat. Um, where can people find you and hear this this drinks with Johnny? When's it air? Anywhere uh, it airs every uh, Monday as a podcast. Um, anywhere you stream your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, literally you name it. Any if you listen to podcasts and you have an app that you that you prefer, just type in Drinks with Johnny in the search. It'll come right back up or it'll come right up. Um, and then on YouTube at Drinks with Johnny channel, uh, we premiere those uh, videos of the episode every Tuesday. And I'm generally in the live chat there uh, underneath tech, uh, talking with everybody textile, um, which is really fun and uh, giving some insight to some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes that we might not have recorded, but it was just kind of fun. Uh, little tidbits of the of said episode that's airing, and then uh, we do a follow up podcast, as I said, uh, called a Thirsty Thursday. It's usually about I don't know twenty minutes to a half hour of just audio that comes up. That you, if you uh, follow or subscribe to the podcast audio side, it'll automatically download in your queue. And uh, on all social medias, it's Drinks with Johnny. Pretty easy to find. Nice. What happens when you go on tour? Does it? Are you going to take it on the road with you? Oh, I'm taking it out on the tour. I have a lot of fun ideas for. It's been delayed, but as I said earlier on, like I've, the idea was to always take this on the road. I just haven't been on the road since I started it. I started it before the pandemic, but I haven't been on the road since. Um, I'd like to go, I'm going to be visiting a lot of breweries probably, maybe even doing some live podcasting from them. I'd like to visit some restaurants. Maybe Chris, we'll talk later. I'll I'll come visit and film in some of your restaurants around the country and uh, other places around the world. I'm sure I'll be running. Come to my my house. Come to my house. We'll invite some people over that that interests you. Um, I'll grill. We'll do it in the backyard. That sounds wonderful. We'll, we'll make it. Yeah, we'll have a. We'll we do have to do that up. because we only did the the Zoom. We've only done these over Zoom so yeah. far, Chris. And before yeah. we before we did that whole live thing, we were uh, slotted to have you come down to the house and do it proper. Yep. So we still got to do an in person proper one follow up on with yep. that. And I I can't wait to do that. I know it's going to be a good time. And uh, before I get off here too, uh, 
congratulations, buddy. I'm excited to uh, attend your wedding. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, You'll meet Matt there as well, and he will be. Matt's going to be there. All right, Matt. We'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll be in off a little bit, but um, looking if he gets forward to, to too it. much. Just let me know. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm no, just I can kidding. see you holding. I like barely even drink, Chris. What do I do? That's okay. I'm I'm on the wagon right now. I I, I was going to tell you, Chris. I, unfortunately, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have a good time. But I'm on the wagon right now. I got to I got to take some time off from booze. So I'll be That's I'll funny. be sober at your wedding. But that'll be good because I'll remember it. That's totally. Fine. I'll remember it more than that time at your restaurant in New York. Yes. Put it that yes. Way. There's a lot to remember. <laughs> it's going to be quite a, quite a show. Um, all right, dude, we're going to let you go. Um, I'm definitely interested. I would love to have you back maybe a little closer to when the record drops. Let's do some stuff on your show with, with some, some cooking and barbecuing and whatnot. And I'll see you both in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Johnny, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you everyone out there for listening to Delirious Nomads sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more, and above all, keep it heavy. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.